Hello, and welcome to The Faculty Chronicles, TFC, a podcast sponsored by the Turo Center on Excellence in Teaching and Learning and the Office of the Provost. Your TFC podcast hosts are me, Professor Gina Bardwell, and Dr. Elizabeth Uni. Across academic disciplines, Turo faculty are producing great work, and the Faculty Chronicles wants you to hear all about it. TFC podcasts will highlight faculty chatting about their favorite project in research, teaching, learning, science, medicine, technology, and so much more. So let's get busy building community, connection, and continuous conversation Turo-wide. Our next Faculty Chronicle guest is on deck waiting to chat. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Faculty Chronicles, sponsored by Toro Center of Excellence in Teaching and Learning. I'm Elizabeth Uni, co-host of this podcast from the Toro College of Pharmacy in New York. Today, we have Dr. Joseph Hayes with us as the guest. Dr. Hayes is an associate professor with the physical therapy program at the School of Health Sciences. He received his MA and PT from the Toro College and Doctor of Physical Therapy from Massachusetts General Hospital. He's also the recipient of the 2023 Toro Presidential Award for Excellence in Teaching. Dr. Hayes, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's really great to be here with you today on the Faculty Chronicles. Tell us your journey at Toro. When and where you started and where are you now? I started a long, long time ago. I was a student in the physical therapy program graduating in 1991, which means I started my tenure, if you will, with Toro in 1989. Um, I was hired in 1993 as a lab teaching assistant by one of my faculty mentors when I was a student. Um, And in 1995, I was hired full-time as an assistant professor in the physical therapy program. Uh, And then until 2015, when I was promoted to an associate professor of physical therapy in uh, the DPT program. Wow. So with almost three decades of experience in teaching, that's a long time to teach. What are your secrets to a successful teaching? It is a long time, even though some days it doesn't feel like it. Uh, I've enjoyed it so much and I enjoy being with our students. Uh, So it really has flown by. And you ask about secrets. honestly. I don't have a lot of secrets. Um, <laughs> there are a few things I believe that are extremely important. And one of them really, Elizabeth, is being prepared. Um, I feel like I prepare tirelessly for every single class that I'm a part of. And I know it sounds basic, but I think if I update my information, I update my slides, I prepare so that when I'm in front of the students, it gives me confidence. And I think then the students can feel that And then they're confident in me, which really makes my job so much easier. So I don't really think it's a secret, but I do think that if I prepare, it takes away any nervousness I have. It takes away any uncertainty that I have, and it makes for a more successful class. I also try to be very organized, and the students appreciate this. And I know being prepared and being organized doesn't sound innovative. It doesn't sound special. But I think sometimes when you take care of those basic things, that it really makes my classes more successful and the students more engaged. I have these plans when I go into my classes and I try to stick to them. So things don't go off the rails, if you will. But sometimes they do. Sometimes students ask really great questions. 
which leads to great discussions. And I have to be able to be flexible enough to let that happen. So I'm organized, but I also know that there's room for discussion. And I think those discussions are really when the magic happens, when learning and information transfer occurs, the students are learning what I want them to learn and really retaining that information. So being prepared, being organized for me has led to my classes, I think, being successful and the students enjoying my classes. Thanks, Joe, for that, even though not a secret and even though not innovative, but that talk about being prepared and being organized with your class. Now, that takes a lot of time to be organized and to be prepared. And you also have a full-time clinical practice, and you're also a full-time faculty, which means that you have other faculty responsibilities such as service or research. So how do you integrate all these things, your clinical practice and your faculty position? Well, I don't sleep a lot. That's one thing. (laughs) (laughs) But in all seriousness, it takes a lot of work and it took a lot of time, excuse me, to get to that point where I could do these things and do them well. Clinically, I was trained as a physical therapist. I was not trained as a teacher. And as a physical therapist working in a hospital and then working in my own practice, we learned really good time management skills. Patients don't want to wait. We have to stay on a schedule. And I think that really taught me time management skills early on and the importance of them. And then when I started teaching, realizing that, okay, you have a set amount of time, you have a certain amount of material you have to cover, you need to get yourself organized. So I spend a lot of time in that preparation and organization. And then I'm lucky I have a good team around me. I have teaching assistants that I that I meet with uh, and we discuss the plan for class every day. Um, the entire faculty, the program, the School of Health Sciences supports me well in having the time that I need to prepare for my classes. And certainly there are other things. There's committee work, there is research, There is visiting students on their clinical internship. So there's lots of things that we do, but I think the School of Health Sciences, the physical therapy department, works all of that into our allotted time so that we can complete all the tasks that we need to complete. But clinically, that's where I really learned my time management skills, and I really brought that to the classroom, and and it's helped me. But it's a lot of time before class, after class, evenings, weekends. Teaching is a full-time position. But I take that very seriously. So I always try to make sure that I am ready to go when it's time to start. Awesome. It's always good to hear that, you know, teaching is a full-time thing and I'm taking it very seriously. You know, that confidence that it gives to the students. But also in this year, long time with Toro as a faculty, I'm sure a lot of things have changed over the years. How did you adapt to all these changes? Well, things have definitely changed. One of the things that changed the most, I think, is our students. Their expectations changed, their values have changed over the decades, right? Generations change. So I've always felt like it's my responsibility to change as well. And change is not easy, Elizabeth, right? We all know that, okay? However, for me, for most of us in teaching in the School of Health Sciences, we are training future healthcare professionals. And I think that's important to consider. These students are going to be taking care of people. That's a big responsibility. Well, that comes down to me to start teaching them the basic skills. And certainly they're gonna learn much more after they leave us. But this is where we give them the basic tools, the weapons, if you will, to take care of people. 
And I take that seriously. So I had to evolve. I had to change with the students um, because it's about them. It's not about me. It's not about, well, this is the way I taught it in 1993. So this is the way I'm going to teach it in 2023. I can't do that. The students are different. They changed. They require more. Not that it's more intense for me or their education needs more. They learn differently. They've grown up differently. Different educational experiences. So that's my responsibility to change. So what I'm hearing from you is that willingness to teach. You're not holding on to the teaching philosophy you wrote in 1993. You're willing to change and you're changing it depending on the context and depending on the needs of the students, which have changed a lot. Yes. Um, I mean, absolutely. Um, we've learned over, over the years that standing up in front of a class of 36 students and pounding out a two-hour lecture doesn't lead to learning. Right. We have to utilize more interactive techniques. I use more case studies, active learning strategies. And again, in the beginning, not easy to make those changes. But we had to. Right. And even with all those efforts, I think it's always important to pay attention to the energy in the room. Right. And I can see that my students are disconnected. They're not really with me. It gets a little quieter. The number of questions gets a little bit less. I have to pay attention to that. And I have to stop and do something different. Maybe it's a short break. Maybe it's a case study. Maybe I throw out a question to them. Maybe I ask them to turn around and tell their neighbor in the classroom something they we just talked about or something they just learned. I would have never done that when I started teaching. We just taught and talked and talked and talked. And we were really, you know, the sage on the stage, if you will. And that just doesn't lead to learning. Wow. So you said something in the beginning, change is difficult and nobody wants to change, but you did change. So what are some of the total resources that you have used to adapt to these changes? So I think if we're going to talk about change, we also have to talk about COVID, right? Because that was a huge change. I remember in March of 2020, I was teaching the kinesiology class and the orthopedics class in the spring semester. And then suddenly I was teaching them on Zoom. That was very different for me. I knew about Zoom. I hadn't really used it very much. As far as I knew, they were only doing that in the dean's office for special meetings, right? That wasn't for, for faculty. That was something special. Um, but we learned Zoom and we learned it from the school. The School of Health Sciences had so many resources for us during the early parts of COVID. Our faculty development, so many resources for us to use. I went from standing with my students in the classroom and being with them to sitting in my kitchen, trying to show how to stretch patients, examine patients, um, demonstrate movements and, and injuries, and it wasn't working. So again, it is a forceful change that we had to have, but certainly I was willing to do it. And I decided, well, I needed to change. So I set up a camera on a tripod in my clinic. I got up from the kitchen table, right? And I started being a little bit more like the classroom. And then as soon as they allowed us back in school, I came back into school. I was in the classroom, just me and the Zoom camera, and that's it. And the students were home, but they could see me in the classroom. It felt a little bit more normal. And I think that reassured them that they were still learning, that their education was going to be okay. And that's the most I could ask for at that point.
that they felt reassured. They were learning the things they needed to learn. Things were going to be okay. They were going to graduate. They're going to take their licensing exam and they're going to be physical therapists. And it reassured me as well. I felt like I was teaching again. And that was a big difference. But I couldn't have done that without my program. So my colleagues and the faculty, we were constantly problem solving and trying to figure out, well, how are we going to do this on Zoom? How are we going to test the students? How are we going to demonstrate techniques? Have them demonstrate them back so we could watch, right? We had those resources available. All the classrooms suddenly had cameras. We had microphones. We had tripods. We had the information technology department helping us. So there was so much support that I felt like I wasn't doing it alone. You add in the fact that we have an instructional design team in the School of Health Sciences, and we made it work. And when we when we were able to come back in person, I felt like we hit the ground running and we hadn't missed too much. So you talked about um, faculty and colleagues. You know, they're always there with us, and they should be a big source of support and resource for us. But many times we forget that they are there and we, we reach out for, you know, bigger resources or experts. Um, tell us a little more about how did you use your faculty and colleagues to improve your teaching or to make it better each day? So that's a great question. And it really started from the top, right? So my director, Dr. Jill Herbakowitz, and my chair, Dr. Robert Troiano, encouraged us to reach out to each other, to see what other people were doing in the department on Zoom, what techniques and, and strategies they were using. And we would meet and talk by Zoom, sometimes in person, about what was working in the virtual classroom and what wasn't working. So I remember one of my colleagues and I who were co-teaching a class and we had to try to figure out how to run a lab, but we weren't allowed to have 36 students in a classroom. So now we had two labs in two different parts of the building and we had to set up cameras and microphones so people could hear us, we could hear them. We could demonstrate something in one classroom, the other students could see it. They encouraged us to work together. And I will say we've always worked together. We have a great faculty here in the DPT department. But when it went to Zoom, we all felt isolated. They didn't let that happen. They said, you guys have to talk. We have to talk. We have to get together. We have to make a plan. And we really made it work. Was it ideal? No. But we didn't lose time. Not a single student graduated late from the PT program. We got it all done. And that couldn't be done without the whole team. Well, that's beautiful, the way you have that pride in your, in your faculty and the team that's there. I also know that you're one of the senior faculty in the physical therapy program, and you might be having junior faculty out there. So how do you all work together? Do you reach out to them? They reach out to you. How does that collegiality works? So I guess that was modeled for me right from the start when I was even a teaching assistant. There was a great system in place of mentors. I never felt as a new faculty member that I was alone. And that I could go to any of my other fellow faculty members who had so many more years experience than I did and ask them simple questions from things like, do you think this would work? How about these test questions? There was this always this team approach and it may be cliched, but we don't really work in silos. We work together. Our offices are all next to each other. We're all here during the week. We were all available during COVID when we weren't in our offices next to each other for regular meetings. We all learned how to use Zoom and get in touch with each other. And it wouldn't be a whole faculty meeting. It might just be me 
and someone who was more senior than I was, or someone who was just starting in the program. And now here they are trying to learn teaching techniques during COVID. It is informal. I can walk out of my office. I can knock on the door of someone and say, how's it going? I got good feedback from some of the students about your class that you started teaching. I heard this about some, some, some of the things in class, wanted to talk about it, whatever it may be. And I know it again, there's so much support from our chair and our directors who meet with individual faculty for yearly reviews, et cetera. And they've met with me and said, you know, I know you're doing this. Maybe you should talk to so-and-so, another faculty member about what they did when they taught that. In any school, in any school of health science or healthcare professionals program, there's a lot of overlap. So when someone, we, we have these horizontal and vertical themes in our program. We need to make sure we're all on the same page and communicating a consistent message to the students. So we need to interact with each other. And I'm not sure if you know, but the Doctorate of Physical Therapy program has two campuses, right? So we have a campus on Long Island and we have a campus at three times square in New York City. So you would think two campuses, individuals, but it's one program. And our chair, again, fosters that. We meet three times a year for joint faculty meetings to discuss student teaching, program development, faculty development, and there's always time for us to speak to our counterpart. So the person who teaches kinesiology and orthopedics and physical therapy examination, my classes in the city campus, we talk about what we're teaching and we discuss what's worked for them, what hasn't worked, what's worked for me. And I think when you can get together like that and talk these things out, it's another professional who's teaching the same material that's special, in my opinion. I always have someone to lean on, someone to turn to and say, listen, I talked about X, Y, and Z today, and it fell flat on its face, <laughs> right? When you talk about this, what did you do? And it may work the other way, they may ask me. But sort of get back to your question about junior faculty, senior faculty, we're just encouraged to reach out. They're encouraged to reach out to us. It works. Awesome. You said something when we started talk, you said that you were trained to be a physical therapist and not to be a teacher. There must have been some challenges that you faced during your teaching days, uh, especially at the beginning, more so than now. So what were some of the challenges that you faced and how did you overcome it? Well, I will say now my students won't believe this if they ever hear this. I was completely afraid of public speaking. When I was in PT school and they started talking about group projects and then presenting to your class, I broke out in a sweat. There was a real visceral reaction. Stand up in front of the classroom and talk to 30 of my classmates about something? No way. I couldn't do it. And the reason the students won't believe it is because now you get me in front of a group of people and I can't stop talking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I love being with the students. I love talking about these things uh, and talking about physical therapy. And now, like I said, no problem speaking. Even when I run the School of Health Science graduation, it was a thousand plus people in the audience. No problem, no sweating, no visceral reactions. I just make it work. And I hate to sort of go back to where we were before, but I just prepared. I feel like there's no better way to take care of nerves and gain confidence than to know you're prepared. But it took a lot of practice as well. You just have to get up there and you have to do it. You have to interact with the students, run labs, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that being a physical therapist helped as well because we're always sort of teaching our patients and talking to patients, talking to other healthcare team members about things. 
So the public speaking fear started to go away. And I'm pretty comfortable saying that I sort of licked that fear now. Um, but the other thing was something we talked about earlier was time management. Suddenly I was seeing patients and I was teaching students and preparing lectures and writing tests. Um, and that's when I reached out to other faculty. That's when I reached out to my director at the time and my chair and said, how do I do this? And how am I going to get this all done? And they reassured me. They said, you'll get it done. Okay. And I, I worked hard. I was prepared. I was organized. I got help from people. I had good people around me. And I was able to make it work. And I, I overcame those challenges of really going from a clinician to academia. And that was a big jump. But it was one that I think luckily I've made successfully because I have that support, not only from my department, but from the School of Health Sciences. It always helped me. Awesome. Awesome. Going back to that clinical practice, which you do full time, how is that experience help you with your teaching? So it definitely helps me with my teaching. And I have to say, my teaching helps me with my clinical practice. They go hand in hand. As a teacher, and especially in the ever-changing healthcare field, I mean, how we take care of people is very different than what I learned in PT school in 1991. We know so much more. I have to stay abreast of that knowledge. I have to be current in my evidence. So I read a ton. Well, that helps me in the clinic. That makes me be the best possible clinician I can be. And then since I'm seeing patients, I can come back into the classroom and say, listen, this is what the research says, but this is how it happens in the real world. And it may be as simple as I saw a patient last night and the students absolutely wake up. They're, they, they look up, they become engaged. They're like, I want to hear about this. And I tell them these case studies and I tell them the outcomes. And then I follow up a couple of weeks later and let them know how the patients are doing. Um, and honestly, some successful clinical stories, but they also have to learn that maybe there's not always successes. We don't always hit a home run, but I know bringing real life into the classroom helps drive home the points and adds to some credibility. I'm not sitting in my office reading articles and telling you this is how you take care of a patient after a knee replacement. I'm telling them, I saw a patient with a knee replacement last night. This is how they presented. This is what we did. This worked. This didn't work. I feel so lucky to be able to do both clinical work and teaching. And I think they really complement each other and has made me a better clinician and I think a better teacher as well. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Joe, for this wonderful talk on teaching and uh, congratulations on that Presidential Award for Excellence in Teaching. Thank you very much. You know, and it was an honor to win that award and for teaching for so long, it was nice to be recognized. And I really do feel like that it was an individual award, but it was an award for our, my department, uh, as well as the School of Health Sciences. It was, it was really an honor to win. And I thank you for this opportunity to be able to talk about these things and hopefully maybe people who listen will gain some knowledge from this. Absolutely. Well, thank you to all our listeners signing off. Elizabeth Uni, your podcast host. Until the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Faculty Chronicles, TFC, Turo's podcast featuring the projects and work of faculty throughout the Turo College and University system. TFC is sponsored by the Office of the Provost, and Kettle, the Center for Excellence in Teaching and Learning. 
We hope you like what you heard and will keep listening. So join us next time on The Faculty Chronicles as we highlight and share faculty achievements that build community, connection, and continuous conversation.